Okay, hello. This is Marissa Schaefer. I'm interviewing Ellie Kushner, um, and I'm going to talk to her a little bit about Pilates today. Um, so thanks for being here with me. No problem. My pleasure. And I just wanted to start by having you tell our listeners a little bit about you, how you got into Pilates, all that. Okay. Um, I was lucky enough to have Pilates when I was a really young student at Boston Ballet. I think when I was about 12, we started with a wonderful woman named Barbara Harris. And um, admittedly, it was probably not my favorite part of our curriculum, though she was wonderful. We were all very exhausted and lying on mats <laughs> at the end of a long school day and a long dancing day was um, dangerously soporific <laughs> and <laughs> took a lot of effort to resist falling asleep. Um, but in retrospect, I think that really did help me develop a lot of um, strength that I used throughout my career. And so after leaving Boston Ballet, I went to college and I have a BA from Barnard in dance and I graduated and I was trying to figure out as all dancers do as most dancers do how to figure out the sort of dancing finances how do you afford to be a dancer and it occurred to me that teaching Pilates would probably be um, something I could do that would make money and um, still be relevant to my life as a dancer so I started teaching mat classes and then I realized really I should be teaching equipment sessions because that would be much more financially advantageous and honestly at first it was sort of a means to an end and I often reference this quote I think it's St. Uxbury mm -hmm. the guy who wrote The Little Prince he says mm -hmm. um, inspiration usually comes during work not before yes yeah and so I often think of that because when I first started it was like well this is something practical to help me earn a living and then of course the more I did it and the more I engaged with it the more I started to find it really interesting and um, I was lucky enough to teach at Boston Ballet mm -hmm. and that sort of started me working with dancers and then I studied with Clarice Marshall for a long time mm -hmm. who does wonderful work with dancers and um, then I worked at ABT teaching Pilates um, during the summer program and um, it just sort of all snowballed and, until I was working quite a bit with different dancers and um, started working at Juilliard and Hofstra and then I realized that I wanted more science information. I mm -hmm. felt like in my field there's a lot of um, discovery mm -hmm. through practice like oh these two things are related I see this consistently in my population and I started thinking like I bet somebody already knows all this stuff and it's written down somewhere and mm -hmm. we can kind of accelerate this process mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I think science might have some of these answers mm, perhaps so um, I went to Laban in London and I got my MSc in dance science mm -hmm. which is an interdisciplinary field uh, dance science is an interdisciplinary field that looks at all scientific elements of dance either to um, advance the field of dance with other populations like using dance with people with Parkinson's mm -hmm. to help them um, ha live better lives or to help dancers perform better mm -hmm. and live better 
the with greater health. The former being a form of dance therapy. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all different, or you know, and dance science includes a lot of um, teaching components like motivation, and then issues of psychology and physiology and anatomy. Mm-hmm. Um, so since then, I, in addition to teaching Pilates, I also do a lot of general wellness mm-hmm. uh, with dancers. Excellent. Awesome. I hope that was. Definitely informative. (laughs) Definitely entrenched in the dance world, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, So I wanted to have you just start by talking to to those who don't know. Um, I wanted you to give us a little little bit of a definition as to what Pilates is. Okay. I hope I can do this well, Mm because I don't know that I teach the most traditional Pilates. I do a lot of just fundamental movement training as well. So maybe start with like, what did Joseph Pilates want? And then sure. who are you? <laughs> okay, so Joseph Pilates um, started working with people who had been injured in war, and um, he was German, and men who were bedridden, and started figuring out what kind of exercise these limited movers could still do. Mm-hmm. And then he started working with some dancers and influencing the dance field, and um, like I said, I'm probably not the best person to ask because I, I don't really um, study at great length the history of Pilates. Um, so forgive me if, if I misspeak. But um, he, as, as I view it, you know, a lot of his work sort of reflects traditional old school calisthenics. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read his original text, there's things like swing the leg forward forcefully, mm-hmm. you know, and lock the knee and, you know, bouncing and this sort of vigor and mm-hmm. what he did. Um, and but he also was looking for different qualities of movement, which I think is really important. He talks about like the coordination of the breath um, and, he, and he does talk about looking at movement quality as a way of shaping movement. Um, so I do a lot of, I do some of that stuff. And then I also do a lot of sort of like PT basics, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the way I was trained in Pilates is to look at the basics of movements, like a knee, uh, a knee raise, like a hip fold Mm -hmm. and how all these other movements involve that action or, or or spinal flexion or rotate spinal rotation. So I also just go down to like the very, very basics and use those a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent. So you talked about when you first started learning Pilates, you were on your back a lot, and then you said it would be more financially advantageous if you started using more of the equipment. Can you talk about some of the tools that Pilates uses? Yeah. So um, because of its origins, one of the main pieces of equipment is this thing called the Cadillac, which is like a big bed, mm-hmm. basically. And then it has poles, like um, like a four-post bed, basically, <laughs> um, a canopy bed. And there are springs that hang off of that. Um, so that's one piece of equipment, and you would pull on them with your legs or your arms, mm-hmm. so there's an element of resistance. And then another piece of equipment is the reformer, mm-hmm. which is um, a, sort of like a table with a sliding piece that you lie on typically or you sit on and then there's a foot bar and you can sort of push yourself out and in like you're doing leg presses or you can sit on the carriage and pull arm straps again elements of resistance and there's other equipment there's a a chair that has a pressing pedal 
there's a barrel that's like a nice rounded piece of equipment with a sort of like a ladder on the other end. And then there's all these little props. Mm -hmm. There's a toe gizmo and a foot corrector mm -hmm. and various other odd pieces of equipment that usually people make jokes about when they first start Pilates. <laughs> you know, like, oh, these look like torture devices. Mm -hmm. That's a typical one. I believe I've been put in um, fuzzy cuffs yep. before. Yeah. Yeah, which I... I had a fun time with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can also do Pilates on the floor, right? Right. Okay, so um, there's mat Pilates, which interestingly um, was an evolution from the equipment. So the oh. equipment came first because he was working with these bedridden populations and designing all these springs and suspension systems and then designed the mat work as a way for people to practice at home. Mm -hmm. And so um, at Juilliard, I'm lucky enough to teach with equipment because they, they have that there. And when I was at Laban, um, they had equipment there. But most dance facilities um, don't have that, and they just use the mats. So it, it, a lot of times, actually, when I do teach um, like group equipment classes for dancers, sometimes I feel like I have to recruit people saying, it's not like the mat work. Right. Because the mat work is it's much more fun to be on the equipment because right. you're moving in more interesting ways and you're dealing with resistance, which is a really important thing for dancers because we don't often get to do that. So right. We can talk more about that. But. Yeah, actually, good segue. Um, so how do you use Pilates with your dancers? Do you use it kind of uh, as a rehabilitation tool, as a cross training tool or something else entirely? Um, I use it. What I usually tell dancers is... Um, in the dance studio, there are many, many things going on at once. We're mm -hmm. trying to learn choreography. We're trying to improve technique. We're trying to be musical. We have to negotiate space with others. We have expectations of teachers, um, of ourselves, of our, you know, from our peers, from ourselves. Um, there's a lot of complicated things that happen in the dance studio, and that's challenging, of course, mm -hmm. for our brains. Mm -hmm. So. Pilates, to me, is a way of taking out some of the physical elements and looking at them in isolation without those other complicating factors. So if a dancer is really trying to work on stability during something like an adagio, it's hard to do that in the studio because you have to be artistic, you have to be musical, mm -hmm. you have to go in time with the music, whereas if you want to work on that in the Pilates studio, you can go at first as slowly as you need to. You can repeat the part that's most difficult to you. Mm -hmm. You can devote all of your focus to how your hip is shifting, and you just don't have that luxury in the dance studio. No. So I use it mostly for rehabilitation, for technical improvement, and sort of for conditioning, but conditioning more on like a motor skill level. Mm -hmm. um, so like teaching your brain how to do something? Yeah, like yeah. neuromuscular re-education. Mm -hmm. I, you know, one of the limits of Pilates is that you're not really going to get into a place of like cardiorespiratory challenge, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. So, and even the resistance, like for a dancer, you might really find that the resistance provides strength training. Mm -hmm. But for some clients, you know, if I have a, big strong athlete right. in the room like those springs are not going to compare to the 250 pounds that they can squat right so we're not really doing strength training we're doing neuromuscular re-education right. in that case yeah that makes a lot of sense um so that kind of brings me to my next question what do you think pilates can give to dancers that other forms of cross training can't i think it's time i think it's the element of space and time mm -hmm. um if you're gonna do 
you know, a more cardio focused cross training, you have to move at a certain clip yeah. because that's what's going to get your heart rate up. And if you're working with a good instructor, they'll make sure that you're not doing anything dangerous, but they're also not going to stop you and refine every movement that you're making right. because you need to get your heart rate up. Right. And in Pilates, we don't have um, that on our, we don't have that situation. So we can really work as slowly and as specifically as, as we need to. And then ultimately build that up to the rhythm and the timing that dancers are going to be using when mm -hmm. they actually dance. You know, you can't always train lethargically or right. you'll be a lethargic right. mover, you know. Um, my Clarice Marshall used to say, Ellie, you're not moving because I go so slowly that it basically wasn't movement. Mm -hmm. She'd have to remind me, like, keep we got to keep it moving. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, do you ever take um, kind of along those lines? Do you ever take kind of a dance movement, break it down into like Pilates terms, work on something and then have the dancer stand up and, and redo the movement kind of with this new neuromuscular knowledge? Yeah, that's a big, and of course with neuromuscular stuff that's important that you tie it together at the end. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a lot of what we do. I mean, it's best when a dancer kind of makes that discovery on their own mm -hmm. when they say, when they either come to me and say, here's something that's challenging me, can we address that? Or if I'm addressing something I see in their alignment or in their movement pattern and they say, oh, this is what I've been working on with so-and-so in ballet class. And then we talk, okay, well, let's, let's really tie those two ideas together so you can understand why you're doing this training mm -hmm. here. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely an important part of the puzzle. Nice. Um, what do you wish that Pilates could do more of for your dancers? I think... Um, that fitness thing. I mean, I do have a few dancers who really get into it and they design a little warm up for themselves and they're able to do it quickly and vigorously enough that it gives them a little warm up and mm -hmm. a little um, full system warm up, um, meaning like their heart gets up elevated a little bit and they're breathing heavily. Um, but I don't think I wish Pilates could do that. I wish I want them to understand that they need to do those things separately. So for example, sometimes I tell students, you know, we're doing this once a week in the classroom. You have to do it every day. And even if you do it every day, you have to recognize that this system is never going to be your cardio workout. Mm -hmm. You just have to get on the bike, you know, twice a week for 20 minutes and right. just make sure you get your heart rate up sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I, there, I do think that Pilates is a little limited in terms of planes of mm -hmm. movement. Mm -hmm. So I know you've talked to some gyrotonics instructors and like that can be a nice complement because it's more circular and round and goes into different planes. And Pilates does tend to be pretty linear. Mm -hmm. um, your arms go up and down and they go out to the sides and sometimes they make arcs, but you're really not getting so much um, round multiplanar movements going. And the last thing I think is also um, along those lines, sometimes because it's so straightforward, dancers can overthink it. Yeah. And there's something to be said for more complicated movements in terms of getting them back into their bodies and out of their heads. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I again, I don't know if I wish that Pilates could do any of those things, but I wish for dancers to know that 
while right. they're working. Right. So Pilates doesn't exist as the sole option. Right. But rather there are other systems. In conjunction with other things. Exactly. Yeah. Be touched on. Um, okay. So let's kind of like zoom out to all of our listeners in the United States and yes. beyond. <laughs> um, so Sam, a dancer who's not in New York where we are now, right. um, where could I find a Pilates instructor? A reliable, good Pilates instructor. Yeah. And how do you know a good one when you see it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean... You start with Google, right? Yes, always. (laughs) And if the person has experience as a dancer or was a dancer, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, When I've talked to some medical professionals, I got this great, um, somebody said this great thing about how if you can't find a doctor who is specifically experienced with dancers, what you need is a a doctor who's interested in learning about dance. That's sort of like the next best option. Yeah. So I think finding someone who's really curious about how you work and Mm -hmm. how you're planning to use this tool to enhance your performance or your wellness um, would be important. And um, another thing you can always, you know, there are ballet companies and professional dance companies all over the country. So you could see if they have a connection to someone, Mm -hmm. if they use someone and then start there, maybe that person is available for private study or they know someone who is um, at a summer program, you know, asking around. I think word of mouth, that's how I have really built up my network of wellness professionals. Mm -hmm. Good place to start. Um, and then in terms of what people tout on their bios, um, how can you kind of cipher out, um, what is, what might be, um, indicative of a, a more knowledgeable practitioner? Oh, that's a tough one. And that comes up in every discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Um, um, I don't know if there's a universal rule to that. I guess one thing, this is tangentially related, but Mm -hmm. there are many different training programs in Pilates, and we don't have um, a licensure of any kind, and we don't even have really a certification that's recognized, say, at a a legal level. Mm -hmm. You know, personal training has, like, body, governing bodies, Mm -hmm. and we don't have that in Pilates. So I could teach you to be a Pilates instructor, and then you're you're certified. Yeah. So there's an organization called the Pilates Method Alliance, which Mm -hmm. is trying to sort of streamline all of that and create a universal certification. Mm -hmm. So that is a good thing to look for, although there will be lots of really good teachers who haven't used that at all. Um, And there are all different programs that certify and some of them are very um, traditional and they're very focused on you know specific exercises and you just do them in a certain sequence and that's how it's done Mm -hmm. and then there are other programs that are more designed to help um, people use Pilates for rehabilitation Um, although that gets a little bit dicey you always want to make sure like if a person is not a physical therapist or they're not a doctor they don't have a medical degree. They should not be making diagnoses. Mm-hmm, they no. should not be using their hands nope. to um, work or treat you. I mean, you can use your hands to, c- to 
to cue per, a person to yeah. try to get them to better understand how their muscles and joints are working, but they should not be using their hands for massage unless they're right. a certified massage therapist. Um, so I think that's something to really watch out for that people are really working within the confines of their Still training practice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree. All right, let's bring it back to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about Pilates being good for kind of neuromuscular reeducation, among other things. Um, how ideally would you kind of integrate it, integrate Pilates into a dance curricula? Okay, so I tell, uh, like I said, I tell students, you know, I'm going to give you a once a week class, mm-hmm. and that's sort of your jumping off point. I like for lack of a better term I'm going to give you a master class Mm -hmm. and then you are going to teach yourself so I think a lot of students need to be reminded of the importance of practice and it's hard when you're a young person to have faith in the fact that repeated practice really yields results Um, and so that's something um, it would be ideally, you know, maybe a, a student has a once a week lesson privately or in a group or um, as part of their curriculum. And then they have, you know, 10 to 15 minutes every day that they do. And it doesn't have to be an hour every day. It can be 10 to 25 minutes that they do four times a week on right. their own right. um, of self-practice. And I usually give students kind of a a list or a chart and you know they might have four exercises that are really really important for them because of how their body is designed and because of how they trained or whatever there might be three or four things that they really probably are going to function best with doing every day mm-hmm. and then you know a little bit of this one day a little bit of that another day depending on how you're feeling and what you're interested in mm-hmm. um, and then a lot of students use it as either a warm-up or a re-warm-up mm-hmm. so either before class, which is good because of the neuromuscular component, it's good to kind of prepare your body for the day. Or if you've had a a day of classes and then a break and then you're gonna have a rehearsal, it could be a good way to just sort of reignite your body um, to prepare for the rest of the evening. Cool, good answer. Um, Okay, I'm gonna leave us off with one last question. what above and beyond what we've already talked about um what do you want dancers to know about what you do i think it's that idea those two ideas of um it's to do with practice Mm -hmm. and it's that idea of like you really can solve a lot of challenges by Mm -hmm. breaking down the challenge into smaller steps and practicing those steps mm-hmm. regularly. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's something lately that has really been coming up for me with a lot of students and it's something that I see successful, quote unquote successful, by successful I mean students who are meeting their goals. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely many different ways to be a successful dancer yes. so it has to do with what their goals are and their, I see that dancers who are meeting their goals are doing that naturally or with effort, but they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that, um, that's probably what I most want people to understand. Right. Practice. Is practice. Yeah, repeated is practice. Yeah. 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 All right. I hope you all listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. No I thank appreciate you. you taking the time to talk to us. Yeah. Nice chatting. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye.
On behalf of Ellie and myself, I, Marissa Schaefer, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dance Well Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud and search Dance Well, that's one word, Dance Well Podcast, and subscribe. We will be releasing bi-monthly episodes with an emphasis on exploring 360 degrees of health and wellness for dancers. Have questions or want to get in touch? Email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye.